I'd like to welcome everyone tonight to Central Baptist Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Thank you for coming, and thank you for tuning in. I'd like to welcome everybody who is uh, viewing us online right now. Praise the Lord for that outreach. So thankful that you've uh, joined us tonight. I'm, I'm here uh, in the auditorium of Central Baptist. I'm Pastor Brad Winnegar, and uh, it is December the 13th, Wednesday evening, our regular Wednesday evening service, our Bible study and prayer meeting, which will follow. I'm uh, reading tonight from 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him. Everybody was wondering, what's the story? What's, what's, what's the bottom line? Here it is. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. That's spiritual light. And in him is no darkness, no spiritual darkness at all. Has it ever occurred to you when you're listening to the news or you're seeing uh, the newspapers or the headlines or, or you're discussing current events, uh, just how dark and gloomy everything seems? And yet we have an alternative, and that is the right alternative. The alternative is to keep our focus on the Lord Himself. The Lord is our light. The Word of God provides us with light for our, for our steps, and praise God for that truth. All right, and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, now we're speaking as professing believers. If we say that we have fellowship with God who is the light and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all. All sin, not some sin, not most sin, but all sin. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus Christ? And aren't you glad that we can walk in the light? I want you to take your hymnals tonight. The words will be uh, up there for you that are viewing as well. Number 43, number 43 in our Burgundy book. Let's stand together and sing all four verses of what can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. All right, sing it with me now. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Sing the third stanza. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done, Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow 
that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. All right, we're singing number 43 in the Burgundy Book, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, a wonderful old hymn that expresses our biblical position regarding the blood of Jesus Christ. We do not agree with the teacher out west who says that the blood of Jesus was just like anybody else's blood and that it just ran into the, the dirt at the foot of the cross and dissolved in its nowhere. That is absolutely false. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 12 that the blood of Jesus Christ is still red and wet and is upon the mercy seat in heaven right now. And it's speaking better things of us than what Abel, Abel cried out for vengeance for his death at the hands of his brother. But the blood of Jesus cries out for mercy. Praise God. We have mercy because of that blood. All right, the fourth verse, this is all my hope and peace. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you tonight for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanseth from all sin. Thank you for the power that we have in the blood. And thank you for the truth that the blood does take care of our sin debt. I pray tonight that you'll help us as we speak from the Word of God to make a difference in people's lives. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody. All right, good to see you tonight. God bless you. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you. It's been a great week. We're in the midst of our Fill America, Fill Virginia campaign, and hundreds of tracts have been distributed and uh, also door-to-door -door literature for which we praise the Lord for the freedom and opportunity to do that. Last Friday evening at Fellowship House, we had over a dozen professions of faith in Christ, and Sunday we had two in the morning service, and praise God for that. And we're going to be at Fellowship House tomorrow, so pray for us. We're there at 1030 uh, with the folks, and it'll be uh, our Christmas Bible study with them, uh, and uh, we'll be, I'm sure, having a good crowd because some folks that... We're at the, uh, the Carols, uh, the Cookies and Caroling concert. Uh, we're, uh, we're expressive of wanting to come out and be part of it. So we hope that they'll start now ahead of 2024 and be part of us uh, in the coming year. Uh, this Saturday, we have cleaning at 9 a.m. Come right on at 9 a.m. and clean. And 10 o'clock, we're going out on visitation. And if the weather does not permit us to be outdoors uh, hanging door hangers, then what we'll do is we will go indoors. We will go to the mall, we'll go to the stores, and we'll pass out tracks. And I, I discovered uh, last Saturday I could get over 100 plus out in a little over an hour, and uh, it's possible to do that and talk to people and, and find out who's interested uh, in a discussion about their eternal welfare, well-being. Well so help us out with that. And please prepare for and invite, make phone calls and texts and so forth, personal invitations to fill this place up Sunday morning. At 11 o'clock, we're going to have our adult choir and our children's choir uh, pro, uh, performing or uh, presenting 
a wonderful Christmas musicale. So invite people out this coming Sunday morning. Let's get them out, all right, 11 a.m. for our musicale, and then all day long. We've got a lot of, uh, lot of neat things going on in the days ahead. Uh, a week from Sunday, we will have our a candlelight service for Christmas on Sunday morning, the 24th. Don't miss that. If you're in town, be here. And uh, if you're not, tune in and join the many, many, many that are, that, I mean, our subscription numbers are going up, and praise God for that. We want to get the gospel out. How many of you have seen the little brief clips this past week? And uh, those are getting some good hits, and so uh, pass those along. Just send them to everybody. And uh, the numbers that are reflected uh, that we see on YouTube, for example, are not uh, the total numbers because a number of people, for example, uh, Brother Ed uh, has said that he, that he sent uh, he sent that clip to everybody on his Facebook. So uh, that's just that's a lot of people. And so if everybody does that, it multiplies and uh, and uh, magnifies and goes out around the world and praise God for that. So that's good. Amen. Uh, amen. All right. So let's uh, let's be part of what's going on here in the new, near future. Uh, we will have some more announcements about what's coming up uh, later on at the end of the month and beginning of next month. But we're here tonight because God has given us His inspired and preserved Word. We're in the book of Romans, so let's turn there together, shall we? Book of Romans. And as you're turning there, uh, I want you to be aware of the purpose of the book of Romans written by the Apostle Paul by inspiration to the church at Rome. He had never been there. He always wanted to go, and he would eventually get there as um, an individual who um, uh, was in chains, and he would go as a prisoner and be there twice under those circumstances. The second time, uh, he would die a martyr's death. Uh, he would give his head for the cause of Christ, but he was not afraid. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed because it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that divides up the discussion which follows, and that is that, that people are under judgment because of sin. Not because God is mad with people, but because God has to judge sin. That's the nature of God. God is holy and righteous, and therefore our sin has to come to judgment. And if... Uh, if, if it's on our account, then we have to pay for that sin. And it's not that God is mad with us, but God has to, has to keep the books balanced. Now, Jesus Christ did something for us. He died and paid sin's debt. We have to receive it. We have to, for a pardon to be effective, you must accept the pardon. That's already been proven in our Supreme Court. And it's true. The nature of a pardon is it must be received. So Jesus Christ offers life to all, but we have to receive it. We have to call upon the name of the Lord. The, the entire world is under condemnation. We saw in, uh, in our text last time uh, in chapter number 1, the laundry list of sins of which mankind is guilty because uh, man is in a state of rebellion against God. Everybody was created, uh, and we were created innocent, uh, in Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve fell, and in Adam's fall, uh, we, of course, all experience that. Uh, we have a fallen nature. We have an Adamic nature, and so, therefore, we are sinners by nature, and when we get old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, we sin on purpose, and then we are accountable for that sin, and we have to come to terms with it. Religion won't 
wash away your sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ will. Good works, ritual, uh, you know, belonging to a church, that won't save you. This church or any other church. Knowing a preacher won't save you. You've got to know Jesus Christ. You can't just know about Him. You need to know Him personally. And so that's where we are tonight. Uh, we're looking at uh, uh, the continuation of what we saw last week, the judgment of God on a wicked world, specifically on the sin of the wicked world. And we are all guilty sinners, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, the wages of sin is death. We understand that is all true. Now we look in chapter number 2, and we're going to have an opportunity to see uh, how this is extended. And so tonight, let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, continue in Romans chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, without excuse, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. So uh, the old saying is, you know, when you point a finger at somebody, there's, what, three pointing back at you or whatever it is. Yeah, four. Well, I got that thumb up in the air, so it's at least three. But uh, it's true. We are we're guilty, and we can't accuse others without being guilty ourselves. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. The, uh, the Jews were particularly uh, adamant about condemning Gentiles, non-Jews, for their sins, their outward uh, graphic uh, sins, various types of sins, and uh, yet they were guilty themselves of the same sins. And that's where we're seeing the, the universality of condemnation. It isn't just on one particular people or group or language group or culture, one nation. It's upon all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says, um, verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Now, underscore that. If anybody here has ever repented of their sin, it is not because... We're such good people because there's nothing good in us. Repentance is because of the goodness of God, not of man. That's it. What is repentance? All right, now it's threefold. Look this way. Repentance means a change of mind. That's, uh, that's, that's the linguistic meaning, the etymology of repent. It means to have a change of mind. So for starters, here's what it does. When... We no longer blame God, no longer make God the bad guy. We have a change of mind toward God. We have a change of mind toward Jesus Christ. And instead of having bad feelings toward God and toward God the Son, instead there's a change of mind. Now that results in a change of heart. And not just superficial emotions, but down deep in the spirit. So a change of mind toward God and a change of heart which then results in our action, which is a change in direction. So we turn around and go the opposite direction. On a very practical level, repentance is turning around and going the other way, but it's not works. It all originates with God and with what part of God? The goodness of God. 
We know that God has uh, revealed in Scripture at least 23 of His attributes. Those are His characteristics. And one of them is that God is good. Now, we, we think of something as being good, like if we, if we uh, eat something and we like the taste, we say, oh, that was good. Or if our, our kids uh, do well in school or in sports, we say, that's a good job, good job, good job. But the goodness of God is a, a, a far and away above any goodness with which we might uh, express ourselves in this world. Any kind of conduct, any kind of, of uh, behavior is not in the same league as God's goodness. God's goodness is because of who He is, not because of what He does on occasion and we see it and we say, good job, God, good job. It's not our applause that makes Him good or our assessment that makes Him good. He is already good. And it's out of that goodness, because in His plan, in His, in his design for us, He wanted to restore mankind to that position that we had before the fall into sin. That's, that's where the goodness is extended. It's extended to restore you and me and bring us back into right relationship to reconcile us, to, to redeem us, to pay for our sin debt so that everything, the books are balanced. That's where that's at. So there it is. It is the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So whether Jew or Gentile, no person can take credit for their repentance. Repentance is a command from God. God commandeth everyone everywhere to repent, the scripture says. But... Also, repentance is a gift from God. Wherefore, God uh, giveth them repentance. God gives repentance. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also the Gentile. This is just saying that the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. If you don't come God's way, you're going to have equal wrath. You're going to have equal judgment. But if you come God's way, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, there's only one way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Everybody understand that? Say amen. All right, you've got to come by way of God's plan. God's plan is a person, Jesus Christ. You've got to receive Him as Savior. All the good works, all the penance, all the sacraments, all the good works, all the things that we might accomplish, rituals that we might do, all of those things do not add up to anything that will save us. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Amen? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, the Bible says. Those filthy rags were those horrible, horrible, filthy bandages that were wrapped around uh, oozing leprous sores. And they were good for nothing but the fire after that. You couldn't recycle those. And so those filthy rags are not our bad works, but our good works. 
Everything we would attempt to do with the motivation of trying to save ourselves is just like a filthy, rotten rag that's good for nothing but the fire. And praise God, we've got Jesus Christ. And if you've got Jesus, it's like Pastor Harp sat right down here and he raised his hand and he said, Preacher, it's like this. If you've got Jesus, you're saved. If you don't have Jesus, you're lost. I mean, he said it just like it is. All the other things are extraneous. The only thing that counts is do you have Jesus Christ in your heart as your own personal Savior? I'm glad to say I can look back on a time and a place when I called upon the name of the Lord and asked Jesus to save me. And he came in and he made me brand new from the inside out. He took away my sin debt, gave me assurance of salvation, gave me a, a love where in past there was an emptiness and filled my heart to overflowing and uh, all the different things. Well, I was talking with a fellow today and he said uh, he was questioned and he was asked, you know, what are the, what are the three great things, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I know what the question was as far as the challenges to our faith. But I said the three great things, the thing, thing that the man or the woman sitting in the bench, the, the, the church bench on Sunday wants to hear is not some deep theological dissertation. What they want to hear is that Jesus still saves, he still keeps, and he still satisfies. That's it. Amen. Amen. I'm glad he does. How about you? All right. So there it is. So it's to the Jew first, of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile, verse number 9. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And what is that? Uh, Jesus himself said that, uh, that the, uh, the, the good that we might do would be to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's not what we might accomplish, you know, in plan B or C or D or whatever. You know, our efforts to make ourselves try to look better and uh, be something other than what we actually are, lost sinners. We need to be sinners saved by grace. Amen. All right, now, please look at this. Verse 11, there is no respect of persons with God. In other words, nobody's got entitlements because of our religious background. Uh, nobody, there, there, are no, there are no certified blue blood, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, religious folks that are somehow exempt from all of the condemnation for sin that we see here. Sin is what causes us to be under the condemnation, the wrath of God. The only way to get that removed is by Jesus Christ. He removes it. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. So people that are outside the commonwealth of Israel, people that don't have the law of God, the law of Moses, they're going to die anyway without hope unless they come God's way. And then it says this, For uh, not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Now the doing of the law. Let's go over to James chapter 1 for just a moment. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Now it's talking about salvation by grace through faith through Jesus Christ. That's it. And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There's still only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And the Word of God 
is, of course, that which teaches us uh, how we're going to get there, how we're going to be saved by grace through faith. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. All right, let me, let me break this down now that we've read it. Let me break it down so that everybody is going to be able to grasp uh, what this means. Many years ago, a um, preacher wrote these words, and they've stuck with me. And the words are this, as follows. The Jew, speaking generically of all Jews, of course, but the Jew is the key to prophecy. We are seeing prophecy unfold before our very eyes in Israel today. And over there uh, in that contentious place, as Jews are surrounded uh, nationally and internationally in a sea of opposition, we understand that they are at peril. But if you check out history, going back further than, say, the 1967 Six Days War, uh, I was going through graduation from high school exercises at the time. And uh, the Jews were fighting for their life. And the United Arab Republic, which at that time was Syria, and uh, a confederation of Syria and uh, Egypt, they were attacking to the south and uh, southeast. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, Jordan was right there on, uh, just off of the uh, uh, other side of the Jordan River and uh, up to the north. And all around them were those that were opposing their very existence. Now, there are people today in the United States of America, in the United States Congress, who talk like the worst radicals spoke back in the 1940s when Israel came into modern existence, and then in 1967 when they were under attack. Uh, we were meeting as, a, as an informal class meeting following our rehearsal. We had gone to the Wakota Arena, which was there in South St. Paul, Minnesota. We had walked through the graduation exercise practice, and uh, we were sitting around, and they said, we have to decide what we're going to do with our senior gift. Every, every senior class would give money for, you know, they would buy, you know, a, a fruit vending machine and put a little sticker on it in the hallway, or they would pay for uh, uh, a bench out in the courtyard of the front of the school or, and put a little plaque on it and so forth. And, and uh, they couldn't agree, and I raised my hand, and I said, let's send the money to Israel. They all looked at me like, where did this guy, what planet did he come from? But you know what? Uh, that's a very, very good thought because 80% uh, of the defense uh, contract of, of Israel annually is covered by the United States of America. And we do that because we understand our position in being a support for Israel. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We need to always support Israel, never be against it. But there are people in Congress today who are talking, people in the streets who are talking like people uh, who were radicals and they're radicals today. 
but back in the 1940s and 1960s and so forth. If you follow history, not only uh, did uh, they uh, survive in the 1940s, and 1960s, and 1970s, the Tel Aviv uh, and so forth, all of those efforts that have been launched against them and they, they go on. They will continue until God's program is played out. The Jew is the key to prophecy, but I want to share something with you that goes beyond that. All right, the, the man who said that was Frank Gabeline, the son of Arno Gabeline, who was one of the editors of the original Schofield Notes. But uh, his son Frank Gabeline said, the Jew is the key to prophecy. I say the Jew is the key, here it is, one, to the past, two, to the present, three, to prophecy, all three. You see, Jesus Christ was a Jew. He came through the Jewish nation. The, the Hebrew people, Hebrew people gave us the word of God. The Hebrew people gave us our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament scriptures. And then in the New Testament, you find the Hebrew nature of the New Testament. There is some, some Gentile recognition in the New Testament, but this book that I'm holding, the King James Bible translated into English correctly, uh, but it is largely a Hebrew book. It is a book about the uh, or origin and the survival of a family through patriarchs becoming a nation uh, after Isaac and Jacob and uh, through the time of Joseph and uh, the time of Egyptian slavery and then going out into the wilderness and then across the, uh, the Jordan River into uh, the promised land and under Joshua subduing the land. It is the history of a people uh, through whom God has worked and continues to work. Uh, the Jew is the key to the past, the key to the present, what's going on in the world. You can gauge it pretty much. And in the future, the prophecy that we're going to see unfold as well. Because of their special position as the covenant people of the Old Testament with God, uh, sometimes those people in the past have felt that they had the inside track uh, and had a sense of pride and elitism. Please understand something. If you were born into a Christian home, you still have to get saved. You still have to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm third generation Baptist preacher, but my lineage, as great as it is, won't get me into heaven. I have to be born again, and I have been. I've received Christ as my Savior. This is important for us to understand. Also, it, it merely gives people a, a, a specific perspective of the world and what God is doing in that world. So where you came from, if you were raised up in a certain religious background or a certain social caste or background or a certain national identity, that gives you a certain perspective. Uh, for example, let me just let me throw this out. Uh, Europe Popchenko, our translator of the New Testament and Psalms so far in the Old Testament, uh, into Ukrainian, has a distinctly Ukrainian perspective because that's who he is and what he is. Now, he's a born-again believer just like I am, but I have a distinctly 
American perspective on things. And so we would not necessarily always see things in the same perspective, even though we're both saved. He has a Ukrainian perspective. I have an American perspective. Also, uh, my, my background is the composite of everything that my parents exposed or allowed me to be exposed to, all of my education, all of the people that I have mentored with and people that I have mentored. So I, I've crossed paths with a myriad of people and therefore reflect many different facets, and that's the perspective. The Jew has a specific perspective. Now, they have promises given to them, but right now they're in a state of parentheses. What I'm saying is that they're in a state of suspension. As individuals, they can be saved and they can come to Yeshua, Messiah, just like we do, and when they get saved, they become completed Jews. When we get saved, we're born-again believers. They're also born-again, but they look at it differently. You see what I'm saying? It's very important for us to see that. The, the Jew right now has a veil over his eyes. I'm speaking generically. Paul speaks of that. Just like Moses had a veil over his face so people wouldn't see the shining countenance when he came down off of Mount Sinai having gotten the, the law from God. Uh, just like that was over his face. Uh, the Jews have like spiritual blindfolds and uh, they can't see things until God per permits them to have the truth and the truth shines into them. There it is. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are, that are lost, that are blinded by the God of this world. Now, understanding that, we have, we have our own Gentile, uh, American in most cases, but we have our own perspective, our own view of things. That doesn't make truth different. It just means we're looking at an angle which is unique. And uh, Paul is writing to the Romans and he's saying different people uh, approach spiritual truth differently. Some think that they've got the inside track. Jews think they've got the inside track. Uh, the truth of the matter is they may be blinded to their need. They may be proud, and that may be a pitfall to them. It's very important for us to understand when we come to God, we come empty-handed. When we come to God, we come with nothing. We come offering nothing. We, we, we come just as we are. The, uh, the great uh, biography of, uh, of Billy Graham, uh, named after the invitation hymn that he used thousands of times in many places. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. How do we come to God? We come just as we are. So people don't have to fix up, get better, work at it. Somebody says, I'm, I'm not ready to get saved. And I'll often question what their, what their meaning is in such a statement. What do you mean you're not ready to come to God? God wants you to come just as you are. What's there to get ready? Well, i got to get better. No, you can't get better. There's nothing you can do. It won't count for getting better. The Bible teaches us very clearly in the book of Romans that if we try to do better, that, that deepens, that digs the hole deeper, the debt that we owe. You, you, can't, you can't get better so as to please God. You've got to come as you are right now. That's it. So out there, those of you that are listening to me, 
You need to come to the Lord. Regardless of what your perspective is, I, I hopefully have helped you to understand that there may be a difference in that respect. Judgment by God for sin is not based upon man's opinion or perspective. God's judgment is according to his unchanging truth, the word of God. That's it. We come on that basis. So, as the Jews that might have been present in Rome were reading the beginning of Paul's letter in chapter 1, they say, yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. Boy, I tell you what, those, those Gentiles, they're, they're pretty terrible. Look at all those graphic sins of which they're guilty. How terrible. Serves them right. Judgment serves them right. And then all of a sudden, Paul changes the tone and he says, you're inexcusable. Thou art inexcusable. Now, people don't flood the, the uh, church house, come you know, through the doors and say, I can't wait to get in and listen to the preacher tell me that I don't have an excuse. They, they don't come to church for that. We don't alter the message, but people will not crowd out. And I'm talking about these mega churches where there are 30, 40, 50,000 people in attendance. They're not there because they came to hear the preacher tell them the truth, the inexcusable state of lost mankind. They came because they, they heard that if they came, they would feel better about themselves when they left. And they will, too. Unfortunately, they will be fooled into thinking that everything's okay because the message of the megachurch is, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. And God will just smile on us, and God's not going to hold you accountable. Truth of the matter is, we're all accountable, and only Jesus Christ can wash away our sin with his blood. So there it is. Uh, the attitude of the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18, I thank thee that I am not as other men, the Pharisee said. And he went down to his house not justified. But the publican, who was a tax collector, dishonest and, and, and in his sin, uh, said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And uh, wouldn't lift up his head, just was so ashamed of his sin and, and his deficit, spiritual deficit. And the Bible says that man went down to his house justified. Now, how can that be? How can that man who said, God be merciful to be, me, a sinner, be justified? And the Pharisees say, say, I'm thankful that I'm not as bad as everybody else. How could there be such a, a distance? The distance is in the... Uh, that thing we call pride, pride. For us to be saved, we have to lose our pride. We have to lose our self-confidence, our self-assurance uh, uh, that we're going to save ourselves, that somehow something we're going to do is going to result in our being acquitted when, in fact, everything points to a guilty verdict. Guilty before God. We're guilty. We're under condemnation already. God's judgment is not according to our feelings, not according to hearsay, not according to, to uh, what somebody else might say. You might get someone to step up and say, oh, if anybody could get to heaven by being good, why, well, it would be him, it would be her. And you've actually heard Christians talk that way. If anybody could get to heaven by being a good whatever, fill in the blank, why, well, they'd make it, but that's ridiculous. Because nobody gets to heaven by being a good anything. We get to heaven because God is good. We get to heaven because 
Salvation is through Jesus Christ. He's provided it. It's absolutely free. There it is. So the Jew is thinking to himself, I'm, I'm excluded from this. And the scripture says, thou art inexcusable. Thou art inexcusable. You don't have an excuse. There it is. On the last day of those people who hold on to their own false hopes of self-righteousness, when they stand at the great white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20, you know what I'm going to say. The books will be opened. And there will be no record because they've never come God's way. And so the book will reflect that and show that they're not saved. Depart from me into everlasting darkness, everlasting fire. I never knew you. I never knew you. Somebody says, I'm sure God wouldn't send me to hell. It's not God who's going to send you to hell. It's our sin that's going to send us to hell because we're under condemnation. The books have to be balanced. Do you have family or friends that are not saved, that are trusting themselves, trusting their religion, their righteousness, their, their own rituals? You need to tell them before it's too late. They say, I'm sure God won't send me to hell. You say, that's right, but your sin, my sin, will send us to hell if it's not under the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's it. Very simple. Just the blood of Jesus. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with God and with the Son. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin, from all unrighteousness. Praise the Lord for that truth. I'm glad today I've got that kind of a God who keeps his word. I'm glad today that I know that I know that I know that I've been born again. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Every we never bow. dismiss a service at Central Baptist Church without offering you the opportunity to respond to what God may be saying to you. Of course, most importantly, God is calling folks to come by way of Jesus Christ and be saved the old-fashioned Bible way. If you've never done that, right now, would you bow your head and would you pray from your heart something like this? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Did you pray that prayer? Won't you let us know? We'd love to rejoice with you and help you in your Christian growth. And those of you who have been viewing today and need to come back to the Lord, remember this, He is waiting for you. Would you just confess your sins? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just pray a simple prayer of confession. Name your sin or sins as they are and ask the Lord Jesus to restore fellowship. And let us know. We'd like to help you in your Christian growth. God bless each of you today. This is Pastor Brad Winnegar.